turn to first Corinthians 12. That'd be a good place. First Corinthians 12. All right. We're going to talk about prophecy tonight. Not like we've been doing on the Sundays. We're going to talk about you prophesying tonight. If I teach you from the Bible, how to prophesy, I want you to start doing it. Okay. I got two that are going to do it. I'll, I'll obviously you hadn't heard me yet. We're going to talk about prophecy tonight. Uh, people have asked me about prophecy. So we're going to talk about prophecy, not on the, uh, uh, not on the Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah level on the you level. And, uh, prophecy is something needs to return back to the church. We desperately need the prophetic gift to come back to the church. And I'm not talking about those who stand in it. I'm talking about everybody in here. So I want you to listen as we walk through the scriptures tonight, what the Bible has to say about prophecy. And, uh, just, just, uh, listen, if you're from a background, a denominational background that doesn't believe in that or, or cater to that, just read the scriptures with me, look with me and see it. But if I show you, you got to promise me you start doing it. All right. Prophecy is the heart of the father. The Bible said in revelation that the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and prophecy is the heart of God to help people. It's not a contest to see who can get it right. It is the very heart of God to help people. When my children were young, I, I wanted to help them. I didn't, oh, I wasn't overbearing. I stayed hands back off my kids' lives. I wanted to make their own decisions. But if they needed to know something that was coming and I could help them, I would tell them. That's prophecy. It's when the Father helps us to look down the road. It's, prophecy is the heart of God. All right, and uh, start within the Bible. Um, let me, let, to keep, everybody's got this stuff all crunched up when it comes to prophecy. But in the Bible, we see three different levels of prophecy and it'll help to understand this. I'm going to take the time to show you this. Three levels of prophecy that we see in the Bible. And number one, we call is the infallible level. The infallible level. And that would be uh, the Bible. The Bible itself. The Bible is a huge book. There's a lot written in there. 30% of the Bible is prophecy. You understand? 30% of the Bible is prophecy. Well, the prophecy that's in the Bible is what we call infallible. It is the absolute, unbendable, unshakable word of God, never to be changed. It is, it is sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's eternal. And uh, we have prophets in the Bible. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, Amos, people like that. Those are prophets. They prophesy things in the future. The book of Revelation is a book of prophecy. It's the prophecy of future things. But understand when we talk about prophecy there, we're talking about a different kind of prophecy. And that is infallible prophecy that can never be changed. It's eternal. Number two. In the Bible, we see New, Te New Testament prophetic gifts. God gives gifts to certain people and I, I, we don't call them prophets. We say they might have a prophetic gifting or a prophetic voice, but we wouldn't call these people prophets. Uh, some people do in the culture. That's fine. D don't split hairs over somatics. I got theological friends that just, well, you know, you said what you said. <laughs> Knock it off. Demons, uh, there is a New Testament prophet prophetic gift. I want you to look with me. First Corinthians chapter 12. And the Bible says this first Corinthians chapter 12, verse one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. We're pretty ignorant of spiritual gifts today, but we need to know what the Bible says. I'm going to go I'm right off the bat. I'm gonna make everybody mad. There seem to be two ditches in our land. One ditch that rejects all spiritual gifts and the other one that's going cuckoo for cocoa puffs <laughs> over them. Being just, I'm gonna make you mad right off the bat. Uh, we don't need to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You need to go back to the book. Verse seven, he said this, the manifestation of the spirit, spirit gifts is given to who? Every person for the profit of all. Every person has spiritual gifts. They've given to you by the Holy Spirit. And it's a manifestation of the spirit himself. But what's it given for? What's it given for? To make you famous, to profit people, help people. 
It's given to help people. Follow with me. Let's mention one verse 27. Go all the way to verse 27 with me. You are the body of Christ, members individually. God has appointed these in the church, in the church. Now listen, the church did not exist in the Old Testament. The Old Testament had prophets. We're talking about the church now. In the church, first apostles, second prophets, then teachers. All right, so you see here that God has appointed offices within the church or gifts within the church. He mentions apostles, prophets, teachers, and then he goes on and mentions other gifts. All right, I want you to turn to, with me to Ephesians chapter four. And uh, Ephesians chapter four is where the Bible said that Jesus, when he went to heaven, he took everything he was and scattered it among his people. Jesus held every, Jesus was every gift of the spirit. He held all three Old Testament offices, prophet, priest, and king. He held all five New Testament offices, um, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. All this was in Jesus. And the Bible said when he went back to heaven, he took all his gifts and he distributed them. He gave them to men. And that's in Ephesians chapter four. He gave them to, you got one, gave them to you. Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse, let's look in verse, uh, verse eight. Therefore it says, when Jesus ascended on high, went, on, went back to heaven, he led captivity captive and did what? Gave gifts to men. When Jesus left this earth, went back to heaven, what did he do with the gifts he had? He gave them to his family, to the body of Christ. All right, uh, verse 10, uh, verse 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, why did he give those five gifts out? To equip the saints to do the work of ministry to what? Build up the body of Christ. So Jesus, we call this the five-fold ministry gifts. And uh, I want you to look at them there. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. A lot of denominations believe today that the first two, apostle and prophet, have passed away. And that we just have an evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I don't hold to that. And I've, I've asked my friends, why, why do you say that? Show that to me. They say, well, you got to understand. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't understand my question. I didn't ask you for your theology. I want you to open the Bible and show me. And my professor friends have never been able to show me in scripture. Some will sort of pervert 1 Corinthians 13. And I'll say, what about that verse right there? And they'll say, oh yeah, I didn't see that one. Well, you should have read the whole chapter. Dear ones, I still hold that they're all five offices a day. Now it's not an apostle as in Simon. An apostle simply oversees a group of churches or a group of ministers. J.O. Williams, who was here with us for so long, he, had, he stood in an apostolic office and he oversaw many ministries around the world. Now, the New Testament prophet doesn't have the authority of the Old Testament prophet. The Old Testament prophet is infallible, cannot make a mistake. New Testament prophet's a little bit different. And of course, I think you know what an evangelist, Billy Graham, uh, people like that, a, a pastor, is somebody, is, they're, this Greek word poimon is used in the Bible 27 times. Only one time it's translated pastor. The other 26 times it's translated what? Shepherd. So a pastor is a shepherd. That's somebody who has a heart. He cares about people. He wants to make sure everybody's all right. And most guys that, you know, we, everybody in America that leads church today is called the pastor. Well, I know pastors that are not pastors at all. They're evangelists. You better not come to them with Kleenex wanting to sob about how bad Ralph is. They ain't going to listen to you. They're not pastors. They don't want to hear it. Uh, that some of them are teachers and they do but we, we put all these ministry gifts under the heading of pastor. A true pastor has a heart to take care of people. He's a shepherd. I, of course, a teacher, that's not somebody who went to school and learned how to teach. That is a God given Holy spirit gift to teach. I have that gift and you do, you can explain the Bible. People get it, but it's of the spirit. So those are the five offices there. And, uh, let me, uh, let, let me, let me, 
uh, many people say that the prophets passed away. All right, turn with me to the book of Acts. Uh, and as you're turning, I want you to answer a Jeopardy question. What is the book of Acts in the New Testament? Now, that wasn't hard. Y'all should have got that. I've been here 20 years. Y'all should know this stuff by now. All right. Acts chapter 13, verse one. In the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and he lists five people. So they're ministry leaders. There were five of them. What offices did they fall in? Prophets and teachers. So you have these prophets. They mentioned them. Uh, I want you to look also. Let's look at one more. Turn a few pages to 20, chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. And I want you to see what New Testament prophets do. Acts chapter 21. Uh, this is where it speaks again of prophets. Look with me in verse... Uh, uh, let's look in verse eight. The next day we were at Paul's companions, departed, came to Caesarea, entered the house of Philip, the evangelist. So what office did Philip stand in? Philip had the gift of an evangelist. You remember what Philip did? Remember, he's the guy that ran up beside the chariot and led the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And that guy went back one Africa to Jesus. And that, you know what an evangelist is, don't you? They really don't care whether you're hurt or not. They just want to know if you're saved. You say, would you pray for my marriage? No, no, I want to go get somebody to say. I mean, they just eat salvation. They, all they want to do is win people to Christ. An apostle wants to oversee, he wants to build a huge network. A prophet wants to bring a word of hope and encouragement. An evangelist wants you to get saved. A pastor wants you to be taken care of. And a teacher wants to know if you understand everything. Those are the five offices that he gave out. Right, Philip was an evangelist. Watch this. All right, who was with one of the seven, stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who what? Prophesied. So you got four women. Uh, by the way, a daughter is a woman. A lot of my friends don't like for women to speak in church, but it, uh, these were virgins who prophesied. Girl, none of those had weren't married. Now watch this. Here's a picture of one right here. Uh, when they heard that in the verse uh, 11, let's go back to verse 10. All right, when well, he stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came from Judea. He'd come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his hands and feet and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. We heard these things, both we and those with them pleaded him not to go up. Now what happened here? A New Testament prophet came and said, I've got a word, the Holy Spirit wants to tell you something. Took Paul's belt, tied his hands up and said, the Holy Spirit's saying, this is what's gonna happen to you. Can you see, that's prophecy. It's when you help, want to help somebody by showing them that the Lord has told me to tell you something. And of course, they begged Paul, don't go. And he said, he said what are you doing crying? He said, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mind being tied up. I'm ready to die for Jesus. But you understand, a prophet brings a word to help you. And they can, they can speak out like this. Uh, and of course, I'm a, a lot of people debate, are there still prophets today? Can I show, let me show you one more verse. We're going to get off this. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2. Uh, of course, I was in another, I was, I was saved in the Baptist camp. It was, went to a Baptist school and they taught that prophecy passed away. Everything else passed away in there too, except chicken dinners. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being unkind. I'm just, I'm enjoying my life. All right. This is the great passage, Acts chapter two, the church, church is birthed here. I want you to read with me a prophecy. Now this is a, this is a infallible prophecy of something that would happen in the latter days. I want you to read it with me. Acts chapter two, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the what? Last days. Would you, would you say that the last days were the last days? What's God going to do in the last days? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. 
God's going to pour his spirit out and people are going to start helping other people. Listen, it's not, now listen to me, listen to me. This is not just encouragement. You can encourage anybody. The spirit of God is the spirit of hope and encouragement. This is when you know something that only God could have shown you. Do you understand that? There's a difference. And this is when you, the spirit of God is going to come and people are going to prophesy. And it's going to be sons and daughters, young people. And uh, my, to my friends who say, well, I don't believe women should speak in any office. Well, any way you cut it, a daughter is a woman. What do you say is going to happen in the last days? Young men and young women are going to speak out the word of God. And it's going to be wonderful. Uh, let's go a little bit further here on this one. On your sons and daughters, they'll prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. They'll what? They'll prophesy. So um, prophesy has just been lost in the church, except for a few like my Pentecostal friends who practice it. And I'll be honest with you, I try to have a good attitude, but so many of them have made such a monkey mess out of it. Y'all know what the Greek word monkey mess means, don't you? It's, it's, it's just been so abused and messed up that, it, that it's lost credibility. There, was, there is a true prophecy. God speaks through people today. And um, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to help you for just a second. Um, I'm, somebody mentioned last, last Sunday, who were you talking about Sunday when you mentioned that the prophets you were talking about? Well, the, there are people in the land that have credible prophetic voices. We don't call them prophets. They just, they say, I believe what, this is what the Lord's saying about the future. And they've been accurate for 40 years now. The ones I mentioned, so, the time of Sunday was Chuck Pierce of uh, Glory of Zion Ministries, Rick Joyner of Morningstar, and many people are familiar with a man named David Wilkerson, uh, the cross and the switchblade, New York City. And David died uh, several years back in a car wreck. But David was a very accurate prophet for 40 years in this nation. And they just, but, but that wasn't their thing. They didn't go around calling themselves prophets. It, it's not a title, it's a job description. And they didn't call themselves prophets. They just said, I believe this is what God is saying. And these are folks who have a word for the body of Christ at large. And uh, I find them to be very accurate. Now I know a bunch of them out there that are cuckoo. I don't even know what to say it. I'm, I'm sorry. I know some that I wish would get a job at Home Depot. You, don't you understand like a, like a preacher who runs off with a woman, a deacon who cusses and uses God's name in vain. When we act like that in front of a lost world, it discredits Christ. And if we do things that are just dishonorable, I'm, I'm out of that old school where we should be a witness. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be stiff. You don't have to like wear your mama's drapes as a dress. But we need to be credible in front of people. <laughs> All righty. Um, and then... Now, this is where people sort of disagree with me, but turn me back to 1 Corinthians 14. The third level of prophecy, all of you can do it. 1 Corinthians 14. All right, so you get the first level of prophecy is the infallible word of God, never challenged. The, what Isaiah said will come to pass is unfolding like today's newspaper. And then you have people who have prophetic gifts where they, uh, they may address the body of Christ. They, have a, they just have a special gifting from God. But then the Bible says everybody should be able to prophesy. Read with me 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue, now let me, let, let me bracket this. You understand correct? 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are the compact teaching on spiritual gifts within the church. 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I've distributed gifts to everybody and he names tw about 27 gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 says, listen to me carefully. I don't care if you got gifts. If you don't walk in love and use them in love, you're going to do damage. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't walk in love, I'm making a racket. And, and it says this, temper everything you do with the love of God for people. 
right? First Corinthians 14 is the management of gifts in the church. I want you to watch what he says. First Corinthians 14, one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Is that okay to have spiritual gifts? Well, well, more than it's okay, what does the Bible say? I want you to desire them. He said, well, I thought he gave them out as he wished. This teaches us something here. We need to desire to use our spiritual gifts. He said, but now listen to me. I'm gonna say this several times tonight. Not to validate you. It's not to make you out to be somebody hot. You, it's to help people. Everything is to help people. And I'm gonna show you how it works in a minute. He said, I want you to desire it. Could, um, I'm getting ahead of myself here. The desire for spiritual gifts is because you care about people and you want God to give you an ability to help people, whether it's to do whatever it is. But there's one gift he wants you to go after more than any other gift. What is it? Read it, verse one. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. All right, God wants you to desire to prophesy above everything else, every other gift. Let's read a few verses. If you speak in a tongue, you speak to, not to men, but to, uh, to God, the Father. No one understands, however, in the spirit you speak in mysteries. He who prophesies, now here's the, here's, the, here's the mandate for prophecy, speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Tell me what all prophecy on a, everybody can do at level has got to do. It's got to build people up and comfort people. All right, you got it? We want to prophesy to build people up and help people. All right. He who speaks in a tongue uh, edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but more that you prophesied. For he that prophesies is greater than he who speaks in a tongue. And of course, unless, you know, interpretation, what, that the church might be edified. What do you hear over and over? This is about helping people. This is about building people up and encouraging people and helping people. So the Bible is very clear uh, that everybody can prophesy on this level. Let's look at a couple of verses. Look with me in verse uh, 12. First uh, Corinthians 14, 12. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to what? Excel or do great. I want to really be good with my spiritual gifts so I can do what? Build the church up. I don't want to just teach lightweight. I, mean, I don't want to just do the least I can do and get by and draw a paycheck. I want, to be, I, want to, I want God's hand on me. I want to be good at what I do to help people. Seek to edify that you might excel in what you're doing to help people. And then let's look in uh, verse 26. I hope this don't shock you here. Well, I hope it does. Verse 26. All right, watch these words. Now, remember, he's speaking to the church here. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Stop right there. What's he talking about? Church meetings. Church. How do we do church meetings in America? When the church comes together in America, what do we do? We have some folks get on stage, they lead music. Then we have a guy gets up and he preaches or teaches. And then we uh, make people feel bad about themselves and make them give some money. You know, I, I'm just, this is how we do church. That is not how the Bible teaches to do church. He said, this is how, this is, by the way, Bible trumps your program. Bible trumps the way we've been doing it. He said, how is it? Now watch this. See how different they are in the early church. How is it that when you come together, verse 26, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, which is a prophecy, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. What do he say? When we come together, these folks lead some music. The preacher gets up with a message. He said, what happened when this church came together? Different folks said, I've got a song I want to lead us in. You didn't have leaders. They all participated in church. And they said, look, God's really blessed me with a song and I think we should sing it. Let me lead this song. They might lead that song. Another one says, I've got a revelation. I've got a prophecy. I've got a word I believe will help everybody. And they speak that word out. When they, nope, they didn't come to church to get something. They came to church to bring something. And they shared it with everybody. 
Do you understand the difference between their church services? Of course, now you got to remember in the book of Acts, and this is from the book of Acts, right after, as the church is forming, they met two ways. You know, they had 3,000, that started with 120, 3,000 added on one day. By the end of the third chapter, the number was up to 5,000, just men. So with the birth of the church, you're up to 10,000 people. And the Bible said they met in the temple and they would continue in the apostles' teaching. So they met in a big group and the apostles would teach them, this is the word of God. But from house to house, and they broke bread together. And it was in those small, we'd call them small group meetings today, or those house meetings, they'd come together, they'd eat, they'd love on each other. They'd say, okay, uh, does anybody have a song we can sing? And, and just anybody would say, I, I, I've got a song. I've got a song. Well, let's, I'll do my song first. You do your song first, I'll do my song. This is how they had church. And then they would just each take turns ministering to each other. What was the whole purpose of everything? To edify the whole group, to build everybody up. This is how they did church in the New Testament. I don't know where we got the pattern we're following today. All right. Uh, then he talks about several things, the way you do it. Verse 29, since we're on prophecy, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others judge. You, you can't say, thus saith the Lord and not let me listen to you. So the Bible said, if somebody prophesies, let the elders judge it and say, amen. Amen. That was, that was the spirit of God. Or let them say, nice try, brother. Nice try. Let me, I don't want to pick on men. Nice try, sister. But we missed it right there. So you speak and then let it be judged. Um, and it talks about, uh, if, you know, don't, don't get ahead of each other. I want to say verse 31. You can all prophesy. What does the Bible say right there? Every member of the family of God can prophesy. You can all prophesy one by one. Watch this, that all may learn and all may be what? Why does he keep saying encourage over and over? What does he say over and over and over? I want everybody in my church to prophesy in the spirit so that you can help people and encourage people and build them up. This is, by the way, this is me looking at me like at a calf looking at a new gate. Okay, so this is new to you, but can we agree that we don't need to change God's word to suit our, what we like? How about if we change us to suit the word? Wouldn't that make better sense? Amen. All right, he said, you can all prophesy. Everybody can prophesy. What's the goal? To impress people? No, to encourage people to help people. Let me get, I'm going to give you a couple of examples, three examples um, of prophecy of a young man, uh, his wife, uh, they're just wonderful people. Katie and I went to eat with them a week or two ago and they're just precious people, just a young man. And he loves God desperately. And he went to a school uh, in California to uh, where they sharpen prophetic skills. And he said, this is new to me because I wasn't raising this stuff. And he said, I went and they were doing worship and it was, it was just this precious. The spirit of God is so sweet. And he said, all of a sudden people would like talk to each other. They might come pray for you. And he said, it was just the sweetest organized thing. And he said, people began to come up to me and say things to me. They'd never seen me before. I said, I was brand new. I'd never even been to California before. And uh, I, I told him, hurry up and go because I'm fixing to sell it to the Russians. And uh, he, he was in there and said, the people coming up to me and said, they would say, they would tell me things that only God could have known. They would tell me where I was from. They would tell me things going on in my life that nobody could have known. And then they would prophesy to me, but listen to me, listen to me. It wasn't this, you're going to marry a woman with black hair. I'm not talking about that stuff. They would encourage me and tell me, God brought you out here and God's got a plan for your life. And they would tell me something that I needed to hear. And he said, it just hit me right in the heart and it was the most encouraging thing. And their, their nature was very gentle. That's, you can all prophesy. And uh, that, that's, uh, they sharpened their skills on that. Let me give you an example. I don't, I don't do prophecy much. It's, that's not my gifting. But uh, I'll give you one example. Sometime back, I had a friend of mine, he's a businessman. And he said, I got another businessman friend 
and he's fixing to sell his business and he wants to go on the mission field. He said, but I'm, I'm a little bothered by it. He said, would you mind if I brought him and me and you, and we go eat lunch with him? I said, be glad to. So we met for lunch and this guy was uh, 45 maybe. And he's, he's going to leave. He's just going to abandon his business, sell it, liquidate it, take his wife, go to the mission field. And the whole time he's talking, he's telling me about this. And my spirit's just going, mm, 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 mm. listen to your spirit right here. Don't, don't let it make sense in your head. The Bible said, let the peace of God rule in your heart down here. I'm listening to my spirit. My spirit's troubled. All of a sudden thoughts begin to come into my mind. And I'm, I'm going, stand back. I need to listen to this man. When thoughts kept coming back, finally I thought, oh, oh, excuse me. I didn't mean for you to stand back. And I said, uh, he got done. I said, can I say, can I say something to you? I said, I believe the Lord will say something to you. And this is what I said. You're going to go on the mission. You got, you got grown kids that don't love God. And you have made a bargain with God that if you'll go on the mission field, he'll save your grown children. He just looked at me and I said, you don't need to pay God for your children's salvation by going on the mission field. I said, Jesus died on the cross to save your children. And I said, you don't need to go on the mission. I said, truth is you don't really want to go, do you? He said, no. I said, well, that's just what our pygmies need if somebody don't want to be there over there. I said, you need to stay and run your business and trust God to save your children. He just started crying. Well, that, that's a minor league. I call that minor league prophet, very minor league prophet. That was just a word from God to say to him, you, you're, you've missed it here. You, you don't have to pay for your children's salvation. Just ask me and trust me to do it. And he really wants to stay and do his business anyway. You understand that's minor league prophecy. I'm going to tell you one of my all-time favorite ones. I have, years ago, Katie and I, we, we, uh, Katie and I one time years ago, about a thousand years ago, we were young. We, we lived about 80 feet from the front door of our church. Our church was closer. Our house was closer to the church than that back door right there for six months. We have never lived closer than 22 miles from a church after, since then. And every place we live since then, you need four wheel drive to get there. All right, uh, we moved way out in the country uh, to the little URI mountains, found a place we loved out there and ended, became neighbors with this guy. I fell in love with him. He was an old rock hippie and he loved God passionately. And we just went boom like that. We'd spend time together, had a little treat center and I loved him dearly. And we're just, we'd, we'd just sit on the picnic table and talk about Jesus. He asked me one day, he said, uh, he said, do you believe in prophecy? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm out of the Baptist tribe. We don't normally do prophecy. He said, what do you think about it? I said, you're setting me up. Go ahead and tell me what you want to say. He said, uh, let me tell you, let me tell you what happened. He said, uh, my wife said we'd had three children. We were done and said we were thrilled and said all of a sudden she got news that she had cancer and she had cancer. And the doctor said, but I think it'll be okay. She'll need a complete hysterectomy and she should be cancer free. So we, he made the, uh, what do you call it? Set the date for the surgery. And we, we asked our friends in our church, went to a little small church, asked our friends to pray for her. She's gonna have cancer. And he said, we thought she'd be okay and we were all good. He said, I got a phone call from a guy in Thomasville. We were in High Point, Thomasville and High Point are the little furniture cities. So we got a call from a guy in Thomasville and he said, a friend of mine told me about your situation with your wife that you said to pray for him. And he said, uh, I believe God has a word for you that he wants me to give you. He said, what is it? He said, uh, I believe God's going to heal your wife. And he said, if you'll get friends together, get your friends together and pray for her, God will heal her. He said, all right. And he said, furthermore, after God heals her, she won't have to lose her female part. He said, after God heals her, you're going to have another child. And he said, that child is going to play a harp, sing like an angel. 
And he said, he said, see, I, he'd been trained. He believed in prophecy. He knew that God spoke. He said, you'd be careful with it, but he knew God spoke. And he said, uh, thank you. And he said, I, in my spirit, it just, something just clicked. He said, the next Saturday night, I called our friends and they came over to, they got in the old worship, little worship barn there and said, we've anointed Linda with oil, prayed for her. And, uh, she went back to her doctor and said, would you please check me one more time before I go have surgery? And the doctor checked her, came back, said that there's no cancer whatsoever. He said, I, I don't understand this stuff. He said, but you folks are religious, aren't you? She said, he said, this probably got to do with your religion or something. <laughs> but anyway, she was healed. And three months later, she's pregnant. They'd already had all three of their kids. Three months later, she's pregnant. Uh, a year after that prophet quote, that guy that just gave him that word had called them, that little boy and that little boy grew up to play a harp and, uh, sing like an angel. We sing his songs here. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. His name was Jonathan Helzer, was the little boy that was born. That, that's, that's, you may all prophesy that you all may be encouraged. All right, now let me tell you about, the guy's name was Kermit, Kermit the prophet. Y'all familiar with him. <laughs> We're gonna put a new book in the Old Testament called the book of Kermit. Uh, and he, he, he was just a furniture factory worker, I think. No, no big deal. He didn't, you didn't masquerade it. You, you don't go grab Kermit and go on tour now. We got to get off this flesh stuff. That was just the kindness of God. But God speaks through prophecy to help people. And that, listen, you can all do that. He said, brother mine, I couldn't do that. Stop disagreeing with God. There's nothing humble about disagreeing with God. Just say, amen. Because I showed you in the scriptures, you can all prophesy that all might be encouraged. And uh, I love them. All right, I need to give you, I need to help you here before, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you run out of here and start, <laughs> I'm even know we need some parameters. Let me help you. I'm going to say it again. A lot of damage been done by, I call them the message a minute crowd. So let, let's listen to this. The parameter, biblical parameters of prophecy. Here they are. Number one, big number one is always number one. The infallible always trumps every other prophecy. The word of God trumps anything you think you're hearing. If, if you got a word and it don't line up with the word of God, you are not hearing the voice of God. You always, I'm gonna show you in a minute, you test everything. Uh, you know, I've heard people say some awful things. I, a dear friend of mine was a godly man. He came to me and he said, no, he said, I need you to come see me. I went to his office. He said, uh, God's given me a word. I said, what is it? He said, the Lord's told me that it's okay for me to leave. He said, you know, we're not getting along at home. God's told me it's okay to leave my wife and, and it'll be okay. And I just said, I, I ain't buying it, doc. He said, you don't know what I heard. I said, you don't know what you heard. I opened the Bible. I said, this book trumps what you think you heard. Do y'all understand that? No word of prophecy ever trumps the word of God. All right, if you want to look that up sometime, we won't take the time. But um, 1 Peter 1.17 said, Peter's talking about hearing the voice of God on the holy mountain. You remember that? that Jesus took Peter up on the mountain and the the Mount of Transfiguration and he heard the voice of God. And he said, we heard the voice. He said, but we have the prophetic word made more sure. He said, I believe maybe I can hear God speak to me, but that book is more sure. Do you understand? It's very important that you check everything with the Bible. God would never speak against his word. And I've had people fight me over this issue, bring me some of the goofiest junk and say, I know what I heard. And I say, it ain't, I ain't buying it, doc. The day we start saying what I hear trumps what God says in his word, we in trouble. A lot of folks do this. I'm just telling you, the prophetic word, the Bible trumps everything. Number two, prophecy must edify. 
I mean, how many times has he got to say it? Prophecy's got to edify. I had a lady come to me one time. She said, you know, I've gotten in this prophecy group. Well, that's that we're in trouble already. You don't even have to tell me what you're doing. You don't need prophecy groups. You don't need to get a bunch of, a bunch of ladies together and sit around in a circle and try to prophesy each other. Don't do that. And she said, one of them prophesied that my husband's going to die. I said, did that build you up? I hope not. Then it's not of God. You may all prophesy that you may all be edified. This is what happens. You get them. I said, I'd just assume here a donkey bray in a tin barn at midnight. Don't listen to that stuff. It builds people up. How many times has he got to say it? Five times he told you in 1 Corinthians 14 that you may edify one another. And I've heard some of the weirdest junk that hurt people. Prophecy don't hurt people. Prophecy don't divide marriages. It don't, I've had ladies get prophetic words from God that it's time for the preacher to leave the church. No, I got a better idea. Easier for you to move your piece of paper than me to move my deep freeze. How about you pack it up and you get out of here? Listen, it edifies. It always builds people up. Don't, don't hurt people with stuff. I, can you tear our air on the, on the tough side? All right, number two, all prophecy must be tested. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. I've had people say, how dare you? No, 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 how dare me not? Especially these crazy days we're living in. My goodness. First, te- First Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter five. All right. 1 Thessalonians chapter five. I want you to look at two verses. Let's just throw in three. Let's just read the whole book. There is a little, just three verses. If you would practice three short verses in the Bible, it alter your life. Let's read these. This is not what we're looking at, but I'm going to throw these in for free. Number 16. First Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. You do those three things constantly, life will be altered. But here's what I want you to see. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Now, what does quench mean? You don't have to cuss him. You don't have to deny him. Quench means push him away. Quench literally means pour water on or push to the side. It said, quit pushing the spirit of God away from you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. And then what's the next verse? Say verse 20. Do not despise prophecies or do not despise, literally it means prophetic utterances. Uh, A lot of people despise this prophecy stuff. How can you do that? What does the Bible say right there? And this is, this is latter New Testament. This is for us today. Do not despise prophecies. And I'll be honest with you. After I've heard about four or five of them that were nutcases and messed people up, I want to, but I can't do it because we need them. We desperately need them. Do not despise prophecies, but tell me what the next verse says. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. And what do you do if what is not good? Throw in the garbage. So we need to test everything. When anybody, if a man preaches, I listen. Number one, I listen to him or her, I listen to him. Number one, I'm going to do two things when I listen to you preach. I'm going to I'm going to look, I want to know where that's at in the Bible. I got to see it in the word. But number two, listen to me. Even if you're preaching the word, I'm going to listen to you with my spirit and see if you're preaching in the spirit or you're in the flesh or you're selfish in the matter. Test everything by the word of God and by the spirit of God. And uh, I don't, I don't mind that. I think I told you, uh, you got two camps. One despises everything and the other wants a free will to tear everything up. Both of them are wrong. Balanced wisdom here. I think I told you, it's been some years back. We're over in the little auditorium at the first campus over there. And there's a Sunday morning packed in there like a bunch of sardines. And I wouldn't even pay no attention. Guys sitting right here. I mean, just on this edge right here. And um, we're sort of getting winding down. And he's one of my charismatic friends, I guess. 
got done about the time I said thank you. He busted loose with a message in tongues. Oh, but there he went, something. And it was just so out of the spirit. And I thought, oh, great. I want to go eat chicken. He won't stand here and do this stuff. And he's rambling on. He's going on and on. And I'm trying, to, I'm wanting him to breathe so I can tell him to sit down. I'm not going to get a shouting match with him, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've tested him. It's not of God. So I'm going to set him down. But I'm looking over there and one of my men, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he is, he is redneck to the core. I mean, he's redneck. This was back during all that Muslim uh, bombing scare stuff. And I look back and his eyes are this wide. He's making his way down the side wall. Not away from him, toward him. And I'm watching him. Now I'm interested in him. And I forget he's over here babbling. The whole crowd's going, what's going on in here? And I'm watching him. He's down that side wall like a stormtrooper. <laughs> and uh, finally the guy breathed. I said, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you. God bless you. That's out of order. We're fixing the clothes. <laughs> All right. It was just no big deal. We're not going to call the police. That's just not him. Afterwards, I saw the guy. I said, what, I said, what, what were you doing? He said, I scared spitless preacher. He said, I thought that was one of them Muslims you hottest. He said, I thought he was fixing to ignite a bomb. He said, I was fixing to take him through that stained glass window. I said, my hand in there, if I'd have known that's what he was going to do, I'd have said, prophesy, brother, help yourself. Could you have seen that on the video? Would that have been good or what? Boom, straight out the window. All right, I probably shouldn't have said that, but... We, we got to quit being so uptight, but by the same token, we want to honor God's word. Yeah, There's so much damage is done. I've seen so much pain and damage done by people who were not mature enough yet or get out of line. However, listen to me carefully. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. A lot of good in that. And you can't, you can't, you, folks, you can't say to the living God, we're not going to do what you say because people mess it up, might mess it up. You can't say that. Do not despise prophecies. Just test them. And if it's good, hold on to it. If it's bad, throw it in the garbage. But listen, don't, don't call the police. Just throw it in the garbage. All right? That's why your elders have to oversee it. So you got to have elder oversight. Now, listen to me. Some of my friends have gotten messed up, my preacher friends in this, that if you ever make a mistake, you're supposed to be killed. No. The Old Testament prophets, if they missed it, they were killed. But not New Testament prophetic gifts and certainly not people who are trying. What if we killed every preacher that messed up preaching one time? I'm not talking about run off with the choir leader or somebody, which I ain't running off with our choir leader. He's, he's not my age. But the deal is, <laughs> preachers mess up saying things and we say, well, they say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said this. Start over. I do that all the time. I'm getting good at it. But you know, listen, there's only one way to learn. And if you mess up, say, I messed it. Start over. Don't beat yourself up. Got to give folks to grow a little bit. And that's under those numbers. Um, two and three. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13, 9, we prophesy in part. We're learning. And uh, so a little, little parameter there. Number four concerning the uh, parameters. Please listen to me. Resist the obsession with prophecy. Don't get you a prophecy group. And start, don't, buy, don't buy a bus, a prophecy bus. Don't, we're not supposed to be obsessed with prophecy. It's just, it's like sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner and slobbering over the fork wanting to steal it. The fork is just a tool to get the meat in your mouth. Prophecy is a tool to get the word of God into people's lives. But don't obsess with it and don't, don't go nutty over the thing. 
1 Corinthians 13, 2 says this. Listen to me carefully. If I can prophesy, but have not love, I am nothing. It has to be for the love of God and the love of people. And uh, how many of you know what we're trying to do in here? As many we're trying to say, Brother Ben, we go to church to learn about God. You're going for the wrong reason. 1 Corinthians, I don't know why we keep missing this. Excuse me. 1 Timothy 1.5 says this. The goal of our instruction, the reason we do this, is love from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere faith. The reason we come in here is not so you can get more knowledge. It's so you can love more like Jesus, have a clear conscience before God, and grow strong in faith. You, you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have a PhD in Old Testament be mean as the devil. I've met folks like that. Our goal is not to accumulate knowledge. Our goal is to love like Jesus loves, have our conscience cleared so we can stand before him freely, being washed in the blood of the lamb and have a growing faith that works in this earth. If it don't work at your job, it don't work in here. It's got, can I get amen out of that? It's got to work at the job site. So that's what we're trying. I just, in case you're wondering what I'm doing up here, that's what we're trying to do. All right. <clears throat> Let me say this. Should you desire to prophesy? What do you say in 1 Corinthians 14? One desire, I'm going to talk about how desire to prophesy, but listen to me. I'm going to say, I keep saying this over and over. Please don't think I'm, you say, well, you scared me to death. No, no, no. I'm, I just, can y'all sense I've cleaned some messes up in my life? Uh, my dear friend, uh, he was the chairman of the Old Testament department at Dallas Theological Seminary, Jack Deere. Jack said, you know, I was raised Baptist. We didn't believe in any spiritual gifts until the spirit of God began to work in my heart and teach me you, you've, you're out of balance. And I began to, allow, to encourage prophecy in my church, try to teach it. And he said, I found out when we, people started, he said, I found out I had to clean up 10 messes for every one hit. He said, I don't mind that. I thought I do. I ain't cleaning up 10 messes. How, how about this? I'll clean up one mess for every 10 hits. That, that's more up my alley right there. But, but you, there was, when our youngins were learning how to walk, they fell down all the time. You ought to see what it looked like when they was learning how to eat. I mean, they messed the floor up, messed it. They got pretty good now. I don't have to push it in. They, they can eat on their own now. Everybody's got to learn and you got to clean up some messes sometime. But uh, we got to guard our motives. Make sure it's to help people. All right, how do I get started? Prophecy 101, you ready? Here we go. Everybody rear back and get your prophecy shoes on. Number one, uh, th- it's not that hard. Just tell Jesus you're available. Tell him, if you want to say something to people, I'm available. And you can say it that simple to him. Listen to me. You don't have to work up an emotion to think you're talking to Jesus. Do you understand what I said right there? Sometimes you feel close to God. You feel the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you don't. It don't matter. You don't have to work up an emotion to talk to him. You just talk to him. It's called prayer. Thank you. Just tell him, say, Lord, if you want to help people, I'm available. I want you to speak to people through me. I'm I'm not closer to God if I prophesy. Do you understand that? I just want to see people helped. And our goal is to help people. Just tell Jesus you're available, number one. Number two, be sensitive to his voice. When you're around people, just be sensitive to his voice. And, uh, you know, sort of keep you, yeah, y'all, I keep forgetting y'all aren't 105 like me. Um, do you remember the, the, the guy who the antennas came up on his head on the TV? Well, all us 85-year-olds do. He just could run up in antennas up his head there. And it was a kid's show, a daytime show. It was just when you're around people, just sort of like you're talking to them, just be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord. Anytime I'm like around somebody I don't know, or I do, I'm just always wondering, is there anything I can help them with? Is there anything I can say to them? And listen to me, don't, don't be uptight about it. And don't try to make it happen. If you try to make it happen, you'll booger it up. You know what booger it up means, Hebrew for not right. And then just, just relax and just say, if you want me to help, listen, you, you don't, and you, you don't have to do like this either. 
What are you doing, Lucille? I'm listening. Don't, don't do that stuff. You hear him right here. But just say, if you, if you want to help people be sensitive to Brandon, I want you to listen to a verse that perhaps you've never seen it this way. Seven times in the book of Revelation, the Bible says this, if any man has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You familiar with that verse? That's Revelation 2.22 plus six other times in chapters two and three. If any man has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. You know, how we, you know how we hear that most of the time? Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. I want to hear what you're saying to me. Listen to me. Listen to what he's saying to other people in the body of Christ. If you've got the ability to hear God, if any man has an ear, let him hear what he's saying to the church and let him say it through you. Let him speak through you. Just like my friend Kermit the prophet from Thomasville. He was just a man that just, he heard God, he brought the word, it helped people. And, uh, but, but listen to help people for what he's saying. And uh, now let me teach you a little bit about hearing the voice of God real quick because we've got to go. You won't hear words and listen to me. This is not the voice of God. Thus saith the Lord. Don't start that mess with me. And he does not speak with a British accent. Can I get a witness? What is, what is this religious stuff that fellow said, well, how does he talk to you? I said, in Southern Alamance, you hear him in your own time. What what's he going to do? Speak you glob to me? You don't hear him with your ear. You hear him with your heart. God, listen, Psalm 42, deep calls unto deep. God's spirit speaks to your spirit. He doesn't speak to you confused. Man, he speaks to your spirit. And you learn to listen in your spirit. And listen, it does not come as, I want you to say this to them. It comes as one impression. You, you can hear 20 sentences, one hit, just like that. It's an impression. Or it'll come as thoughts in your mind. Let's look at this great verse about how God speaks to our hearts. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 20. Uh, Vance Habner, one of my, I just love Vance Habner. He was raised in the Baptist camp. Uh, Billy Graham called Vance Habner his all-time favorite preacher. And Vance said, you know, I was a young man. I didn't understand this stuff. I kept hearing people talking about God spoke to him. He said, I'm going to get him to talk to me. And he said, you know, you got to be taught how to listen. That's why the Bible's here. That's why we have teachers. He said, I went out one day on the mountain behind my house and sat on a rock. Said, I'm going to wait here till you talk to me. And I said, I sat there. He says, the boringest morning of my life. I didn't hear nothing. Said an old crow came and landed in a tree up there. And all I heard was that crow all morning. Well, that's not how you listen. Let's learn a great truth right here in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of a man, Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of a man is the candle or lamp of the Lord searching all his inner depths or illuminating his heart. But you got that? My, God don't speak to my mind or my ear. My spirit is where God speaks. The spirit of the man is the candle or the illumination of the Lord. He brings light into my spirit. You got it? He brings light into your spirit. And you begin to sense the spirit of God speaks gently and quietly. And, and now let me make an announcement. He's not real loud either. It's one of the reasons the Bible says you got to be still. You got to get worse quiet. And you just learn the voice of God. Or as John chapter 14 said, I will send the Holy Spirit when he has come. He will put into your mind what I'm saying to you. Listen to those words. When the Holy Spirit has come, uh, that's John 14, 26. When he has come, he will put into your mind what I'm saying. A lot of times I'll have thoughts and I know these are not my thoughts. This is God speaking and I tested and, and it's him. Um, the word put into your mind, four words in the New Testament are one Greek word, upamonis. 
to put into the mind. And you know, you're just sensitive, you're around people. But now let me, let me, let me, throw, let me throw in one more here about, about prophecy. To hear somebody that talks quiet, you gotta lean close to them. Does that make sense? All right, I got, you know, I got friends, I got friends sitting over in the corner over yonder. Well, if she talks to me, I wouldn't be able to hear it. I'd have to go close to her. Do y'all understand that? If you wanna hear the voice of God, you need to be close to him. You need to walk with him. The Bible says draw close to God. He'll draw close. He wants to draw close to you. And then you'll put into your mind and, and let me make an announcement. This is fun. Don't get uptight. This is fun. It's one of the most wonderful things in the world. And most of the time, see, I, I want him to prophesy through me the day Jesus is coming back. I want big stuff. I'm, I, want, I want to rock the world with my prophecies. You know what 99% of the time, you know what he tells me to say? Just encourage them. Tell them I hear their prayers. Just stand there and talk to them. Uh, you'd be surprised. Isn't that what a father does? Doesn't a father want to comfort and encourage his children? And I'll tell him, give me something big. Give me something big. He said, okay, tell them my son loves them. I said, no, I meant like, when, are, when is our nation going to split? I want big stuff. I mean, I want to make headlines. He said, I want you to humble yourself. what I want you to do. <laughs> we got to get over the sensational and we just want to help people. Uh, but it, it just, you'll practice, you'll get it there. Number five, step out in faith. There was anything he asked you to do, you got to take a step of faith. He said, what if, I, what if I look stupid? Get over it. Uh, if you're worried about what you're going to look like, he, he, we, he's got a plan for you. We need to work on more than that. There was, Simon could not have walked on water unless he'd have stepped over the boat, stepped over the edge of the boat. They, our father loves a step of faith. And listen, don't, please, 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 don't get up to somebody and say, thus saith the Lord. Don't do that stuff. Say, I want to suggest something to you. I think maybe the Lord is saying this to you. Say it humbly. Be real humble about what you say. And if it, it'll light their hearts up. They'll know if it's him. And let me give you one more. You'll get better with practice. You'll get better with practice. And uh, you'll get real good with practice. All right, let me quit by just saying this. I think most of you come from a non-spiritual uh, gifts background. So let me just appeal to you about something on prophecy and any other spiritual gift. Let me appeal to you this way. What could, what could happen in our churches today if we, had the, if we really honored the gift of prophecy? What could happen to people? I, I've, I've seen so many people just blessed because I'd speak a word. Listen, I love this in Isaiah. Listen to this. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I might know how to speak the right word to he who is hurting in due season. What if we had the gift of prophecy just operating in our churches and, and we could just help people and speak to them and they knew God just cares about me. He just spoke to me right there. That, that would be a tremendous blessing all the way up to the words, you know, big words that, uh, let, let me, let me say, let me flip that. Listen to me carefully. What have we missed by not honoring spiritual gifts? Now listen to what I'm fixing to say. What if Ken Helzer, I was talking about Ken Helzer. What if Ken Helzer had been a Baptist? and had been poisoned against spiritual gifts, we wouldn't be singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear here because the boy who wrote it would never have been born. His wife would have had surgery. She'd have probably been fine. They'd have lived their lives and loved God. But what if he'd have been poisoned against spiritual gifts? And when some, when Kermit from Thomasville called and said, thus saith the Lord in a humble way, what if he'd have said, there's one of them charismatic fruitcakes. He'd have never had John. We'd have never had Jonathan. We'd have never had all those great songs. What have we missed by not letting God what have we missed by telling God, you got to come, you got to dance to our tune. We need to let him be who he is.
He's got so many wonderful things planned. And uh, I'm going to say it again. You can all prophesy. Just go ahead. I, the elders will deal with it. They'll, they'll take care of any problems. Don't call me. I'm praying. Let me, let, me, let me quit with this. How would you like to have been the one to pick up that phone and called Ken Helzer and said, uh, God, I just got something on my heart. I'm going to put it and see what you think. How'd you like to have been that person? And then years later, sit and watch that boy lead hundreds of thousands in worship and know that you brought a word that helped him. What would it be like to just... Now, somebody here just thought I could never do that. All right, I'm going to say it one more time. You may all prophesy that you may all be encouraged. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be wonderful to just let, let God just speak through you? And uh, it doesn't mean the next day you won't lose your temper, kick the dog and say a cuss word. We got to get off this. There was, you don't have to be perfect for the gifts to work. Now, did I just give you permission to kick the dog? You can kick my dog if you want to. I didn't give you permission to kick. I'm not saying act ugly. Enough of this emerging church mess. But we got to get over this. Oh, that's for super saints. Who are you? Who are you? You are a redeemed, born again, forgiven child of the living God. The spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is right there in your chest right now. Let him out. Don't worry about it. Let him out and trust him. All right. I prophesy that the choir would like for me to get done right now. That's my prophetic word. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you. What would it be like if we'd just turn your spirit loose? What would it be like if we would just say, come, dear Holy Spirit, use me to help people. And Lord Jesus, purify our motives. We don't need to impress anybody. We don't need to out-prophesy anybody. But this world is hurting for a word from heaven. We, we just need the voice of God in this land. Your word said men don't live by bread. They live by the words that come from the mouth of God. And I just, it's such an honor and a privilege that you would speak to somebody through me. I, I just love it when it does happen. And I thank you and praise you. And years later, to have somebody come back and say to me, I'll never forget that night when you told me. I want everybody to know that. I want everybody in this room to know what it's like to know God just spoke through me and to help people. And I thank you for that. I praise you and thank you. You're just so wonderful. Dear Lord Jesus, personally, I wouldn't have trusted people like me with your gifts. It's too dangerous. But you're just that good. Thank you that you have distributed your gifts and given them out to men. You practiced them all. It's like, like you went back to heaven and said, Tag, you're it. And gave you gifts out. And we're thankful. I pray for everybody in this room that they would just want so much to edify and exhort and encourage and bring life to people by the word and the spirit of God inside of them. Thank you for your goodness. We love you. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.